This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am here with the superheroes, Becky Avara and Carolyn Mele. Becky is our lead coach, and Carolyn is one of the main, uh, she's kind of one of Becky's right-hand people that help with uh, the adjustment team. And we talked about that in the last podcast, so I won't bring that up, but adjustment team uh, if you're not familiar with Eat to Perform, you, you get two reviews a week, and uh, one is from your personal coach and one is from the adjustment team. And so if anybody has a question about that or wants to know why we did it that way, go listen to the last podcast. All right. So today we're going to talk about uh, why you need to stay in performance longer and some of the benefits of that, but also um, how to do it. Because, you know, obviously weight can creep up as you go. And yeah, one of the things that I'm not sure that I've really said before um, on the podcast, I know I've mentioned it in post, but your body wants to grow as a reaction, you know, to, to keep you alive. Right. So this idea that fat loss is easier as you get older, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go in. Right. Hormones aren't working the way they would have in your 20s. So that's a net negative. Um, There's just a lot of factors that go into it. But at the end of the day, your body actually doesn't want to be smaller. Your body wants to, you know, um, unless you're grossly overfeeding, fat loss is going to be difficult. And so what we're trying to do is push calories to a point where we can get a certain amount of uh, uh, progress. But let me back up because I am forgetting one special thing. This is the group that we do once a week that are our lifetime clients. And so many of these clients actually just signed up for lifetime this week. So welcome everyone. But um, the, uh, the whole idea of why it's so difficult, as an example, to you know, lose fat as you go is because, for one, your body actually doesn't want to give up you know, fat stores, right? The, um, you know, it really doesn't want to give up fat stores at any point in your life unless you're grossly overfeeding. If you're just slightly overweight, that's where things start to really get difficult. And what you start to see is that even as calories lower, things get a little bit more difficult. But but it's interesting because a lot of times people focus just on the scale. And then, you know, especially if you're really lean, you will see a significant amount of recomp during fat loss, even with no weight loss. Right. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about for, for these clients, some of which have been with us eight to nine years. It's just, you know, you're not grossly overfeeding typically, right. You're going to be eating, you know, in, you know, more. It was interesting. There was a post that, that someone made and they talked about how, you know, the scale has been really uh, 
stagnant. And one of the things that kind of needs to be factored in that often isn't factored in is the weight that those people start off at, right? And so, you know, people discount water weight, but if you discount water weight, you're sort of discounting the value of, you know, kind of cleaning things up as you go. And then of course, as the tiers come down, then we should see some movement. But if you're like really lean, and I'm trying to think of um, a couple good examples, but Stephanie, you know, the, the coach with the need to perform, I mean, it, when we did fat loss, I think it was about a year and a half ago. And she must have started at right at 150 and landed at 137. Uh, we really didn't see any significant movement until, you know, really deep into um, fat loss too. And it definitely got much more difficult, right? And so, which is all a long way to say that if you panic and you're in PR right now and you don't make it all the way to January, you're just making things more and more difficult, right? So we, what we want to do is kind of walk you through some of the strategies and even some of the tip, tips and tricks because I, I'm not sure that everybody knows what is available to them. And I definitely want all of you to know what is available. I am seeing there are a fair amount of questions. Um, so I'm going to try and get through this relatively quickly. But the goal of this is to get to you to January with a good amount of um, calories so that we can see significant movement down once you're moved back to fat loss, right? And so, you know, for some people, there's a lot of weight loss involved here. I think one of the worst things you could do, you know, let's say that you're a 300 pound man and you lost 60 pounds in the first cycle and you're really super excited to get going. One of the worst things you can do is run a fat loss cycle over the holidays. So we don't typically advise that for most people, right? And we will get people that really push the issue. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you're the one driving the bus. So, you know, if, if it's, uh, if it's, something that's making your life more complicated, we will go ahead and do it. But for the most part, we try to talk you out of it because even the people that are like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I can get through the holidays. All of a sudden, man, Thanksgiving hits and boom, it's over, you know? And then all of a sudden we kind of wasted a lot of runway that we built. Right. And so you know, when you think of, you know, here in the U.S. and in, in Canada is really not even that big of an issue. Um, but here in the U.S., I think of the holidays as the weeks from Thanksgiving all the way to, to Christmas and Hanukkah and all the other celebratory seasons that happen right then. And so we're really only talking about four to five weeks, right? But it does make things difficult if, as an example, you start fat loss in uh, October, right? 
So one of the things that we need to talk about with October. So here's a good here's a good example. So you start October first, and you make it to mid uh, November. The best thing you could do at that point is to split it up and just wait the full you know holiday season and then do fat loss too after that. So that's an easy thing. We'll be talking a lot about that at, at that point. Coaches definitely know to, to kind of coach you in that way, right? So you, all you're really doing is just extending your AP so that you can get to a point where you're a little bit more comfortable. So that's, that's one thing that, that everybody should be doing if they did start fat loss, you know, late September in October. The one thing I would highly suggest you avoid between now and January 1st is a mini cut. And the reason why you want to avoid a mini cut is because it's not going to do what you think it's going to do, and it's going to crush your runway, right? And so I think by, you know, if you're a lifer, you probably know what I mean by runway. But what I mean is the calories that you built up so that we can actually get you know, some, some downward trend. Stephanie made a post because it's, it's interesting. I've talked about this many times that for our leaner people. So we, we did the fat loss cycle, right? She went from 150 to 137 and she literally just put, put a post up where she's 152. Now you go, Oh, what a, horrible thing you know she you know lost all that weight and then just gained it all back well that's how you build muscle right and so if you're not if you're not you know pushing weight gain a little bit and stephanie knows this as a need to perform code so she has less problem with it but we all have a little bit of problem with weight gain right because you know at the end of the day no one really wants to be dieting all that often but when you look at her back and arms and, you know, everything has a lot more muscle. Now, she hasn't gone super crazy with the, you know, body fat testing and things of this nature. So um, we don't know true specifics in that regard. But when you look at her, you know, the difference between where, where she looked, that's the interesting thing, too, right, is that we see these before and after pictures. And I mean, I have a client right now whose low was at 142 uh, or I think it was, I think it was 132 and got to 149. And if you saw the two pictures, you wouldn't think there was any difference at all. You know, so a lot of times as we kind of fill up those muscles and stuff, people do look leaner. But, you know, when you're lean, you know, it's got, it, it kind of depends. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you two examples. So there's the Stephanie example who really wanted to push calories, who really wanted to build muscle. So she was gonna, she was gonna always go back to where her weight was and possibly a little bit more. She knew that we had talked about it. The whole goal was to build muscle along the way. Then there was another client that uh, I worked with that wanted to go, go a little bit slower. And so 
you know, you just have to communicate these things with your coach. Like in the case of Stephanie, I knew that she ultimately wanted to go to, to back to fat loss around January one. And so we really wanted to get to a significant uh, surplus so that, you know, when we cut the next time we would be looking at significant progress. And so um, just in terms of muscle building, right? Because, it, you know, there's, there's this narrative in the dieting community, um, and I would say the smart dieting community, not necessarily like, you know, Weight Watchers or, or something like that, but in the people that are working with registered dietitians that are sports nutritionists and things of this nature, you know, it's just a different world. Right. And one of the things that constantly gets brought up is that you can build muscle in a deficit. And it's true, you certainly can, but it's not really something that happens. You have to be in a little bit of a surplus. And so when we look at the rhythm of the days of how we do eat to perform, we are trying to get recomp, we are trying to build muscle in that process, but it's not optimal right? Optimal is where you're actually gaining a little bit of weight and, and building a little bit of muscle. That's not the way most people would like to do it. And so your coach can kind of vary things. So like in the case of Stephanie, we knew we wanted to get a little bit more aggressive with calories. In the case of someone else, you know, if you just explain to your coach, hey, look, I don't want to be doing these fat loss cycles every six months, you know, or every year. You know, I think for, for Stephanie, you know, we're coming up on, on two years for, you know, what would have been her lowest last time. So that, that's reasonable, right? Um, the people ask me all the time, like, how long should I stay in PR? And the answer is as long as possible, right? As long as you can tolerate, you know, for me, you know, I, I've mentioned it a number of times that I'm going on my fourth year. I did have a, a, a slight mini cut of about four weeks in those four years, but, you know, have I gained weight? Yeah. You know, um, am I comfortable with that weight? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, right. The, we're all kind of doing this, you know, when I go to the doctor, I blow them away with all my, my, uh, blood work and, and things of this nature. The only thing that that really is only slightly above is, is blood pressure. And so it's been interesting being here in California because I almost want to get my blood pressure tested because, you know, there's just no way it's not down. My sleep is amazing here. I'm much more relaxed here. And so uh, it'll be interesting. I'm seeing, you know, it's it. You know, I deal with probably a little bit of, of seasonal affective disorder, just like virtually everyone in the really cold areas, you know, for, for people that don't know, I live in Minnesota most of the time. And so we may end up uh, actually coming back here in January, February for that reason. So um, just kind of an interesting thought process in that regard. In terms of tips and tricks, you know, so anyway, let me, I'm going to finish the last point. So if you are wanting to push muscle gain, you have to push calories, right? And you have to push calories for a long time, four to five months, not that long in, in, in relationship to what is actually needed. 
So you're going to be dealing with a level of discomfort a lot of the time because, you know, even as Mr. E to perform, if I see my weight go up, you know, it's not comfortable. You know, does it make me go, yay, weight's up, right? Um, but I do know that that's part of the process. And I do know for the most part that, you know, if I just get back to the plan that I'm typically on, then we'll, uh, you know, it'll wash itself out. So it's not that big of a deal. I think the weight that I'm at right now, well, I've been at this weight since the mini cut. Um, and so I've been able to maintain that that weight. I think uh, I'm right below 200. And I think the lowest I got was 195. And so um, I'm comfortable with a floor at about 195 and a ceiling at about 205, right? At 205, that's when I'll start to use some tips and tricks. So let's talk about what some of those tips and tricks are. But let's rule out a mini cut just for this purpose, right? Because a mini cut is really supposed to be used when you went through the summer and just things got off the rails for three months, right? And you're, let's say, eight to 10 pounds higher and you want to get down about three to five pounds to where it's like your comfort level. That's what a mini cut's used for. I would say sometimes around, well, the holidays would be a good example, right? So if normally you keep things pretty tight and then the holidays, uh, you let things loosen up a little bit too much and you want to do a mini cut to kind of get back to normal, but not a full fat loss cycle. Uh, that's a good time to do that. Uh, summer, you know, is one of these things that you can get away from people. So that's something that, that you can look at. Um, probably one of the biggest tools that, that I use or, or recommend is to um, use some level of time management or, or intermittent fasting for your low days. And what we do at that point is we can pull things down. The, the problem is with any kind of intermittent fasting or pulling things down, the big thing that you have to go know going in is that it's not going to cause you drastic weight loss, right? It's just not, it's just not, the calories just don't add up, you know? So if you're up 10 pounds and you want to use a tip and trick, you know, to, to, you know, try and get those 10 pounds back, that's just not going to work, you know? So you have to know that going in. I mean, you know, people talk like, well, I only have 10 pounds to lose. 10 pounds is a lot of weight to lose, especially if you're relatively lean, you know? I mean, 10 pounds, if you're, if you, you know, if you've been eating, you know, really out the box for about a year, you know, without tracking and things of this nature and you're up 10 pounds. Well, now that's probably easy 10 pounds to get, but, you know, in terms of like 10 pounds and people say, it's like, well, I only have to lose 10 pounds. If you're a lean person losing 10 pounds might take you three months and then you might still struggle to, to do that. Right. So you got to got to keep that in mind and keep how tightly you have the reins on. So what we'll do is typically make an adjustment to 
that low day where we'll lower the calories and then um, you can have uh, a time restricted, you know, eating model to use. Right. And so I'll walk through a little bit of what you can do with that. You know, a lot of people do just breakfast. Um, they'll skip breakfast, which is helpful. Um, actually, my wife and I are using that now here in, in Ojai. Uh, just because we know that, you know, we don't control the calories at a lot of the places. So usually for lunch, we have a salad with either chicken or, or beef um, in the salad. And so that's the same thing that we do at home. But in the evenings, we can't really control the calories. And so that's why we use time-restricted eating for that or intermittent fasting, um, which, you know, if you're skipping breakfast, I, I just, I'm really struggle having, um, skipping breakfast called, called time restricted eating or intermittent fasting. Cause honestly, I just don't think it's that huge of a tool. I think it, it becomes a much better tool if you can go a little bit longer. And so usually for me, if I use a 24 hour fast as like a, a goal, it'll end up being like a 20 hour or maybe a 22 hour. If I can aim for six then and stay busy and I'm not hungry, then I'm fine. Otherwise, um, if things are starting to get uncomfortable that, uh, you know, starting at four, that, that will help. The thing that you have to remember when you're doing intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating is that it's not the clock that's doing the thing, right? It's the calories, you know? And so as calories are lower, that's what is going to move things. And so when we're talking about taking your low days and moving those to intermittent fasting days, there's a few negatives. Obviously the hunger can be a negative for some people. But the other negative is you're taking away calories that we were trying to build up so we could get you more fat loss, right? So, you know, um, as you move to um, your fat loss stage, those two days will work against you. So it's not uncommon. And I always try to let people know that if we can go back to normal, that is going to be the best thing to do. We don't want to just stick with these intermittent fasting days because your body does adjust to that. And then eventually what you wanted it to work, you know, it's not going to do that much. It does, you know, as most people know that have these low days, the low days sort of clear things out, right? And so the lower that you have those low days, they will typically clear things out a little bit more. But once again, we're really talking about two to three pounds at the most. The other thing that I will have people do occasionally, very, very rare. This is not something I would encourage you because here's what, here's what happens with what I'm about to say. Every now and again, if someone is really struggling but doesn't do isn't interested in intermittent fasting or has struggled with intermittent fasting in the past, I will allow them to back-to-back -back low days, but very, very rare. You know, 
the system that we have exists for a reason, right? So you just starting to add low days without the approval of your coach, that is not something that that I would say is easy to perform. I would say, you know, when we first started, and you know, I'm looking at a few people on the call that would have been here then, you know, we didn't really have the rhythm that we have now. And so it was very common for people to make their own low days and then kind of put their higher calorie days. But the problem was is that it was just like low day, low day, low day, low day, low day. Okay, I did a marathon, medium day, right? No one would actually feed themselves appropriately. And we were at a crossroads with, with the company, right? Because, you know, we couldn't get people to actually do the, the, the program the way it was designed because they would intervene too much. And so, so we kind of, we lost a lot of clients because of that, right? Because they wanted to be able to do whatever they wanted to do. But the problem was, is that when they would move to fat loss, they didn't have any runway to work from. And so we had to, to bring in strict guidelines that many of you now know and, and, and are quite familiar with. But, you know, if you're not serious about building the calories, we're really not going to get the end game. Like people think that the idea of building calories is because somehow, you know, we want to have a little bit more flexibility or mental flexibility, or you don't want to be pulling on your, your willpower that much. It has nothing to do with any of that. It really is much more about um, what, the way that your body actually wants to work, right? And then building muscle as we go. And then obviously uh, having more flexibility so that when, when we do um, move to fat loss, we have a significant deficit to work from. But that's pretty much it, you know, other than, uh, other than, well, I guess we should talk about that. So the one thing that, and, then, and I, I went over it a little bit with the mini cut, just about taking away your, your runway. But what we'll often see is it was two things. There's people that go into fat loss and then they kind of get a running start, right? And so normally their weight's around 143. And then it goes up to, let's say, 149, right? Um, and, and then they're like, remember, you know, my weight was 143. It's like, no, 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 we started at 149, <laughs> right? Because that weight does matter. Um, but the other thing that happens for people is that as they go up to fat loss, they start giving us yellows, right? And so two to three weeks going into fat loss, you know, they know that they're going into fat loss and then they start to um, kind of dial things back. And as coaches, we, we really try to make sure that we get people to a point where, because, you know, if you're going into fat loss, especially if it's not something that you planned for five to six months, you know, you're probably feeling a little uncomfortable, which by the way, is why you should plan them 
five to six months ahead of time, right? So that, you know, through that time, you know, you're giving us greens that whole time and that we're walking in to this fat loss with, you know, the best possible scenario, right? And if you're giving us yellows and you go, well, yeah, but that day, you know, I ate, I ate a handful of goldfish and stuff like that. And I didn't know how to log it. And all of a sudden that turns into two, three period. I mean, the goldfish, you know, that you didn't log might've actually been underneath what your actual food would have been. Right. And so we see that a lot. And that's something that you definitely want to avoid. So if you can schedule your fat loss, you know, five to six months out. Now, typically, so let's say that somebody does fat loss between, you know, September and uh, I would say November, where we're really getting towards the end and things of that nature. Try and at least give yourself the year to where, especially if you're really close, you know, if you're five pounds, like don't, don't, don't spend three to five months for five pounds, right? Really give yourself a good shot because you're probably going to have a little bit of fluctuation. Weight's going to drift up a little bit over that course of that year. And then, you know, we'll lean out as we go. But, you know, if it sounds like you're always going to be managing your weight a little bit, that answer's yes, right? You always will be. We always are. You know, at some point, I am going to move to fat loss, but I'm going to move to fat loss really just to kind of build enough runway so that I can spend the next five years kind of gaining it back, right? And so the slower that you can do that, the better. So some of the tips and tricks we talked about are, are helpful. The other the others just making sure that you know, as your calories go up, that your sugars don't go too high, that your sodium doesn't go too high, unless that fits your goals, right? Um, in terms of exercise, you can incorporate a little bit more cardio. If you're more of a weightlifting person and you, you're just like, cardio is cardio, I'm not doing it, you know? Um, that's something that I would probably not suggest for most people. I think, you know, a big story within you to perform is that everyone should be doing a little bit of heart health, right? I mean, we're, this isn't just about, do you have abs, you know? Um, I mean, it's a gruesome story, but, you know, a lot of the bodybuilders that you know, are using all manner of steroids and things of that nature to kind of reach stage weight and, and stuff like this, they struggle with health issues and often die in their 50s, right? Because the strain on their heart, you know, is not great. And then it's typically going to be better if you're looking for an aesthetic to leave cardio on the floor, not for everyone. Some people certainly do it to, to manage their weight and things of this nature. But what I'm suggesting is, is those people that do die early, they have abs, right? But the, the sacrifice that they make for those abs is not, 
is 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 not something that that I ever want to be a part of for sure. You know, I mean, one of the things that, and before we get to to Q and A, one of the things that I need everybody to understand is that everything that we're doing has been around for a very long time in the bodybuilding community, but in terms of you know the dieting community, not so much, right? So we're not, we didn't invent anything new. We 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 invented processes that made all of this new and especially for you know women 45 to 60 this was not information that was just available out there i do think the advent of of crossfit and and high intensity training as a thing um has sort of moved people lifting weights certainly has sort of moved people to more this performance way of thinking so once they moved to that performance way of thinking they needed to then add some performance um, nutrition to their portfolio. All right, so let's get into questions because I am a little short on time, but I think we covered it. And if you have any questions about what I'm talking about, go ahead and add them to chat. Okay, we've got a client question. Um, when on vacation, I was thinking it would be good to track all all of my foods and see what happens. I know coaches say not to worry about it, but what do you think? Not planning on doing a Thanksgiving feast each day, but also want to simply enjoy the freedom of not worrying how much I'm over or under on my macros. So I don't hate it, right? I think everybody's different. And if that's what makes you feel comfortable, I think that you should do that, right? I don't do that and I don't necessarily recommend it just because I think there should be points in our life where we, we don't have that security blanket. Right. And what I don't want is to set up a scenario where if you don't have the logging security blanket, you're going to fail. Right. Because if you think about dieting in general, that's why a lot of people leave. So why people leave is because, you know, they didn't check the scale. And then all of a sudden they went to the doctor and checked the scale and oh my goodness, they're up seven pounds, you know? And, and if they were, you know, dieting at that point, or, or maybe they were down a little bit of weight, but not down as much as they thought. And then all of a sudden they quit. Well, when somebody quits a diet, they either do one or two things. They are going to um, go back to eating with relative, you know, on abandonment, right? Or they are going to intuitively undereat. And, and so uh, having some guidelines around it, I think is fine. But I would highly encourage you you know, like I said, you know, it's been almost two years since my mini cut. Once I reversed back to 3,500 to 4,000, I stopped counting. And um, I will check in every now and again and just see how things are coming along because I have kind of these standard meals for the most part um, with like different uh, adjustments along the way. But I think most people should have the ability to not log and then, you know, just, 
just know what it's like not to have that rigidity in their life, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, we are all different human beings. We all have our way of doing things. You know, this is the, the type of scenario where, you know, someone will come in the group and say, well, my family's saying, you know, that I'm living too rigidly and, and things of this nature. First of all, that's not their decision to make, right? Um, you know, it's really about your health, you know, and uh, if someone is in PR as an example and they're moving up, then, you know, it's important to know how many calories you're eating so that you can get the end result that you want, which is to build and hold on to muscle. So I think it's fine, but I would like to see you move to a place where maybe for date night, you know, you can do it, or maybe for a weekend, you can do it, right? Um, just so that you don't feel like you need that crutch, right? Just so that you can try to mindfully, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, like uh, I've said this before, that uh, when I'm logging and I'm on my super day, Sometimes I will under eat a little bit on my super day, especially when I'm on, you know, PR macros, right? Where I'll use that day to be a little bit more flexible. So there's a lot of ways to tackle it, but I, I think you're fine. You know, I, I would I would definitely say that, you know, a lot of people that are, are judgmental are often judgmental because they're not living a healthful life sometimes, right? And so, you know, you showing up, living a healthful life, you know, it stands in contrast to what their life is. So they they feel challenged by it. And so so kind of keep that in mind that you might get some feedback, but I I, I think it's fine if, it, if it's fine for you. Okay, there's a training question here. Um, I want more visual definitions. So when lifting, is it better to do less reps, heavier weights? I'm 55 years old and in PR stage. No, it's uh, so the only the only way that if you're lifting and you're trying to go to a powerlifting meet or you're training for a powerlifting meet, that would be the only example where you would lift less reps for um for uh, more weight. Now, the way that a lot of cycles are built in is you do, the majority of what you do is uh, lower weight with higher reps where you can definitely feel the mind-muscle connection, right? Where, you know, as you're doing the rep, there's such a focus on what you're doing. And then once you get to that eighth or 10th, now you can really start to feel a pump. The one thing that we have to remember is that there was a, uh, this is something I still actually like quite a bit. And it was, uh, I can't remember Borge, I, I think it's Borge Fajali, but he introduced this idea called Myo Reps. And Myo Reps basically was you would, uh, get the muscle pumped up to a certain part. And then once you were at about 80%, you would rest 
for, I, I believe it was like 10 seconds. And then you would do two more and then you would rest for five seconds and do two more to really stress the muscle, right? So when you're doing high reps, um, or I'm sorry, when you're doing low reps, what you're essentially doing is stressing your central nervous system. When you're doing low reps with more, you're not stressing the central nervous system near as much. So, so your recovery is going to be a little bit easier, but also you really have to sort of push those last reps because those are really the only reps that count, right? When you're, when you're doing one to eight reps, the only two that you'll probably will, will possibly move you towards hypertrophy are six to eight. And so if your goal is to build muscle, you know, CrossFit workouts or lifting weights during a CrossFit workout usually isn't going to be that big of a difference. You really want to move into that. And if, if you want to, if you want to take a look at it, the myo reps, I like a lot, you know, I often forget about it. Um, but if you're doing something like band work, it's really easy to do myo reps. And like I said, I can't remember the, the, the time period, but I think it went like 10, five, five. And then usually after like three sets with the, with the twos or threes, you know, you're, you should pretty much be done, you know, or, or the weight's just not challenging enough. So the answer is the opposite of what you said. Okay, JC started um, Eat to Perform in mid-August. I'm 42-year-old male. I have one week left in fat loss one, down 10 pounds, and I have a lot more to lose. I am not lean. Calories feel pretty low at this point. Would you recommend I go through AP and stay in PR until January before going into fat loss two, or because I'm new and have a lot to lose, should I go into fat loss two instead of PR? So you would definitely go into PR. Um, so your calories are lower right now and we're at 10 pounds. Here's what I'm going to suggest. Now, this was already going to happen, but I would definitely start to communicate this with your coach. As you go through AP and you move to fat loss too, right? He, he still hasn't done fat loss too, right? He lost 10 pounds of fat loss one. So just have your coach extend it as you're losing weight. The problem is, is that the cycles are actually really good. Like once you, once you hit that six weeks, typically people are not still losing weight. And so would you feel comfortable at all telling us what you mean in terms of not lean? Because not lean for some people means that they're five, seven hundred and eighty nine. What I mean is, you know, five, seven, two seventy five. Right. So if you're only down 10 pounds, that tells me that you're maybe a little bit leaner or we didn't really get calories super duper high. Right. It says he's five, ten and two twenty five. OK, so, I mean, that's, you know. I would say so you so you're down from 235. I would I would just talk to your coach about fat loss too and then maybe try to extend that. But in terms of 
just going from, you know, like adding a third fat loss, it, it just doesn't work, right? That's that's the name of the game, you know? Um, so I would definitely look at, try to extend it as long as you possibly can. Maybe that gets us, you know, into, you know, November, maybe even early December if you can dodge Thanksgiving. But I would probably suggest that you schedule your next fat loss for March. But we do need to rinse and repeat them. But if you rinse and repeat them too soon, your calories just aren't going to get high enough. Your metabolism isn't going to come back. And even in March, it's it's not that much of a of a runway bill, right? So you got to kind of keep that in mind. Tracy, if I could get you to tell me privately what your name is in the app, then that would help me. Yeah. The uh, last question from Amanda is also um, client specific. So Amanda, if you can let Becky know your name in the app, she can have a look at that for you. You can actually direct message her if you don't want your name in the app. Uh, just a second. I have a direct one. Okay. Never mind. I'll answer that one privately. Okay. Sounds good. We Carolyn? We're good. We got them all. Okay. Perfect. So, yeah, the... Um, I think, I think what the, the big message of this podcast is, is that you just can't fake moving calories back to normal, right? And, you know, we all know that if we can, if we can keep the holidays somewhat in check, you know, I understand that for some people, the scale bothers them so much that they asked for an exception, right? But, you know, I just mentioned that I haven't logged for almost two years, you know? So how do I, how do I keep my weight stable, right? How do I know? Well, it's because I weigh myself every day, you know? I don't think that most people realize how much of a tool weighing yourself is each day, you know? Now, once again, I understand we all have our issues with that. But really, do you really think you can go through the holidays, you know, kind of eating foods that aren't normal, right? And then not weigh yourself? Like you can't do, you, you have to do one or the other, right? And so if you're, if you're not going to log your food, and I would probably suggest that for most people, you're probably not going to. I will say this. Five years ago, when we would go through summer and we would go through uh, the holidays, I mean, people would just take off for like two months, like two to three months. That just doesn't happen anymore. You know, people are, are much better about keeping things, you know, in check um, and then trying to stay mindful around the actual days, right? But you know, when people talk about, you know, up to 80% is, is good, but you won't see great results and things of this nature. I don't even know what those people are talking about because almost all of our clients are following the plan. I mean, we literally 
have up to 5,000 people at any given time. And those 5,000 people, just so you know, are following the plan, right? And in a way that I don't think any program has ever done ever before. And the reason why I say that is because even the, the people that I would consider to be moderately good are putting out this 80% message. So why do they put out the 80% message? Well, because they're not really checking people's food logs, right? They don't have a mechanism in place. You know, so a lot of this will be, you know, more, more like AI type programs that'll just take away calories if you're not losing weight and stuff like that. Well, that's the value of coaching, right? And as we've gotten better at our job, all of you have gotten better at your job. And it's just made things a lot better. I do think, you know, I, I want to end on this note because what, what I think lifetime is about is not about, oh, I'm going to sign up to, for lifetime so that I can eventually have abs, right? I don't have abs. Um, the, I mean, I, I definitely, if I take off my shirt, people definitely know that I lift weights, right? Um, and I have kind of ab ridges, but I don't have like a defined eight pack or anything like that because it's not about that for me. And I don't think for many of you, it's about that. Even the people. So, 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 I mean, I definitely went through my ab phase, right. Where, um, I had just done a lot of hard work. I wanted to see it finished. Right. And I was happy that I did that, but some of you are going to be with us till you're 60, 70 years old, 80 years old. Right. At, at at those at that time, if we're still focused on getting abs, we're really missing the boat. We're really trying to stay alive at that point, you know. And so when I look at when you go, well, you know, Paul's talking about the fact that he he doesn't want abs and he runs a nutrition company. Well, then what's it all about? <laughs> it's not about abs. It's about staying alive. You know, it's about feeding your progress. It's about you know when you show up at the gym that you're a hundred percent ready, not 60% ready, you know, and you go, well, what's the point of going to the gym if you can't get abs? First of all, we need to change that whole narrative, you know, like this idea that you go to the gym to get abs. I mean, certainly you want to see the value of your hard work. You know, when I, when we were talking about the sets and reps, there had to be a lot of you thinking, I don't work out like that. Right. And I would say, 95% of you don't work out like that. And that's fine. I don't work out like that. I work out like that sometimes, right? But if you're really trying to build muscle, if, you're re if your sole focus is, is you know, body composition all the time, you kind of got to do things in a rigid way. And in my view, you know, if you're doing things in a rigid way, you're less likely to love it right? And my goal for my personal life and what I think is true for, for what I hope for many of you is that it's not about, you know, the rigidity of what actually works, right? It's really more of a compromise of what kind of works, but I also enjoy, right? And so um, even though 
I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite here in uh, in Ojai, you know, because we're literally just just doing cardio most of the time. I'm not even going to say the name cardio because I keep talking about it too much. Um, but you know, I am looking forward to getting back to to my home gym, and I'm looking back to you know getting to two days of CrossFit and and some of these other things that will become much more um, applicable to the weather in Minnesota. You know, obviously here in California, it literally does not rain. And I'm just going to tell you, man, like they complain about it all the time because they all want rain. Many of where we are, I would say half the people own some level of produce or cattle or something of this nature. So they want it for, for personal reasons for their farm. Um, and to replenish the, the groundwater supply. But uh, for me, just visiting here one month, I want it sunny every single day, you know. And so um, try and keep that in mind as you go is that, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a worthwhile goal, you know, like the person that was just talking, you know, you're 225, 5'9". You know, once you start to get to about 185, you know, abs might become a goal for you, but I doubt that they're going to stay. And then the people that are, you know, abs all the time, one, they either do it very rigidly, two, they're probably getting some help, right? Um, and three, they have high incentives to do it. If you're, you know, not planning on being an Instagram influencer, you might not have the incentives that those people have. You know, if you look at these professional athletes, with millions of dollars on the line. They have incentives. I remember seeing, I was at a Super Bowl party um, and uh, Emmett Smith was right next to me who played for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, it, he wasn't not in shape, but he was definitely out of shape a little bit, you know? Um, I mean, he probably, he looked like a normal person, right? Like how normal people would probably look most of the time. And, you know, um, which was perfectly fine. He didn't have the incentives that he normally had. And that's very common, actually, in professional sports where, um, well, it used to be more common, right? Because, you know, they use the sport itself to stay in shape. Now, they're much smarter about nutrition as they go. So what you're seeing with a lot of these athletes who were really smart about nutrition They'll loosen things up, but they won't go off near as badly. In fact, what you're seeing, I know I'm talking to maybe like the three guys on here, um, but maybe some of the women that follow like ESPN or something like that. You look at Jeff Saturday uh, as a good example. Um, I'm trying to think of a few more examples. Um, I, I can't, but there's, there's a number of linemen who were 300-pound guys that the minute they they leave, um, I think what was Joe's name? Joe Smith? No, not Joe Smith. But he played for the Cleveland Browns. But but these are guys that were three hundred pounds that are now two twenty five. You know, so even professional athletes have have modified their behavior, but without the incentives, you know, it's really difficult to stay at that super lean level. So I just want people to kind of keep that in mind as you go. All right. I am going to 
sign off and go do my cardio um, because we have a planned session. So I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.